0: Joana Leite de Castro was born in Porto, the capital of the north of Portugal. A bright student throughout her school years, when the time came to pick a degree, like many of her peers, Joana elected business management. Her dream, she tells us, was to become the CEO of Coca-Cola or Google. After graduating with distinction, Joana got a job at a pharmaceutical company based in the US. She worked there for three years in the nutrition department. There she flew the world in first class, meeting and interviewing doctors who were, more often than not, twice, if not triple, her age. Though in theory she was living the dream, Joana soon realized she was unfulfilled. She quit, packed her suitcase and ventured to Africa to build a school from scratch with a friend. Throughout the following years, with the money she had saved in her corporate job, Joanna traveled the world in search of something, something she couldn't quite yet put her finger on. After a less glamorous three-month experience on a farm in Australia where, despite the beautiful surroundings, Joanna found herself in a more depressive episode, she moved back to Porto and slowly but surely started a path towards becoming a yoga teacher. I met her already in the role of yogi, the dear Turkish friend I met in Spain, though curiously, for most of our lives, Joana and I lived on the same street in Porto, not far from the yoga studio she now runs. Together we unpack her story of becoming, to discover insights or perhaps better questions to accompany us on our journey of living into maturity more wisely.
1: I'm fire, okay, you have different elements. Mm -hmm. I'm fire, Mm -hmm. there's no doubt about it. This energy comes from that. But the fire can be used and be fooled as fighting Mm -hmm. or as light. Mm -hmm. And I guess that was the biggest change. Like if I had to summarize the biggest change that I've done these many years it's this fire and this energy that I have instead of being for fighting and proving myself and having to control and being perfectionist it became as light as like okay I want to be of service I need time for myself I want to be present not worrying too much about the future accepting what comes accepting that I'm imperfect um, and yeah and trusting that every journey and that every part of my life led me to who I am right now and being here today, Mm -hmm. meeting you, like all of these things that are connected and and that connection is fascinating. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm Carlota Goetsch and this is The Waking Youth Podcast. I like to start my conversations, grounding things in a little bit of personal history. And something that I've been doing recently is to feel into researching, both formally researching but also informally from the conversations we have in the past, recalling those and kind of feeling and thinking about terms that stand out when I think about you and the people that I interview. And, and so in your case, there were some... So I'm just going to throw these words at you and see where they land in you and if you could talk a little bit about the ones that you feel inspired to in the context of your early, earlier background. So growing up, okay? Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Courage. <laughs> energy. Energy. Optimism, family, and last one, extroversion. <laughs> and you can start wherever you want. The ones that call you the most, the ones that call you the least. Mm-hmm.
1: It's funny because when you come to a podcast, <laughs> you imagine two questions. <laughs> Who the hell are you? Mm-hmm. Or how would you introduce yourself? Uh-huh. And what's your story? Uh-huh. Probably the two most difficult questions to answer. <laughs> and of course, those are the only two I kind of like thought about uh-huh. or prepared. And um in a way, all of those words were present. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it to be boring. Mm-hmm. And I know my life, I'm very thankful and grateful for that, is not boring at all. But it's a lot.
0: Yeah.
1: And a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know anything about me, it can be a little bit overwhelming. I'll give you an introduction okay but this but these these words are good, <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> um, I guess I will start for extrovert and family
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I think being an extrovert as something that came up very naturally for me mm-hmm. and in a way easy. Mm-hmm. I've always been very talkative and I come from a big family. I'm the eldest of five, so not only was something natural in me, but also the family setting put me up in a lot of positions where I was the one that was the, um, the speaker. How do you say, Portavoz?
0: Yeah, the like speaker, the, spokes- the spokesperson spokesperson exactly.
1: for my brothers, mm-hmm. you know, for my siblings and, and for the family in general. I didn't know you were the... I didn't remember you
0: were the... Yeah, I'm the eldest. And Mm
1: -hmm. and it's something that... Once you start reflecting about your childhood and your background, Mm -hmm. it's always one of the things that comes up first. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think my extroversion came a lot from that as well. And the fact that I've always been very spontaneous Mm -hmm. and very easygoing. So Mm -hmm. I never really thought much about what I was saying Mm -hmm. and who I was speaking with. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was younger, younger meaning like three or four, I was walking around um, Avenida Brazil, like the the beach avenue Mm -hmm. with my family. And I went down to the beach and then I came back and my parents were there talking, my siblings were there, I think two of them. And my parents were talking with some other people, strangers. And I I arrived there and I started and I kissed them all. Hi, 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 hi. And then I start speaking, and my mom looks at me and she's like, We don't know them. They were just stranger <laughs> passing by. And like, so yeah, it always came very natural for me. And I always I always thought or I, I felt it as something that made me fun and approachable. Mm-hmm. And it only Like more recently, not even as a teenager, I think as a a young adult, Mm -hmm. it it brought me a lot into uh, reflections about being too much Mm -hmm. or speaking too much, not listening.
0: When did you feel that? Being too
1: stressed, too anxious. At what point? Mm, Yeah. At what point did I feel this? I think it came more as like... um, because I was always also, and now I'm going to bring other words, very energetic mm-hmm. and always moving and mm-hmm. always in action,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I never really stopped much to, mm-hmm. to, to think or to reflect. And I don't come from a family that is very contemplative. Mm-hmm. So we've always been a lot like that, mm-hmm. always into sports, always into movements. Um, and we all speak a lot and loud because we have short um, time to mm-hmm. speak. You know, you, you have to speak mm-hmm. a lot and be concise. So I, I don't know, I don't remember like a specific point in my life where that came up. Mm-hmm. But when I started, after I quit my job, I think while I was there, being so young and working at a big company with so many different cultures, it, everything was so surreal mm-hmm. that I it was easier to be me. I guess I was so different.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was the youngest. Uh, I was um, probably the only person. It wasn't my first big job. Mm-hmm. On my first, like, job, and I think it was easiest for me, easier for me, I don't know, sometimes when things are way too...
0: Alien. Yes, mm-hmm. alien,
1: or so unexpected, mm-hmm. it's easier. In a yeah. way, it's like, what do you have to lose? This is so surreal. That's, I mean, I never really expected that I was going to be here. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're just there.
0: Okay, but do you feel there, you're more you... Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, which is funny. Compared to and then Portugal. I don't know if I was more me. I I, I just remember that I was more conscious as an adult. So Mm -hmm. that was like, is the first Mm -hmm. uh, milestone Mm -hmm. that I think. Mm -hmm. But once I started traveling and when I move around and you ended up introducing yourself a lot. I come from a small, we come Mm -hmm. from a very small city and small um, everyone knows each other, a lot of families know each other. So it's like I don't really introduce myself or speak mm-hmm. about myself. Mm-hmm. And when you start traveling yeah. and you're meeting different cultures and you're exposed to so many different things, I guess, and I'm such a people mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. and I'm I'm so passionate about people's stories and I want to hear everything and so empathetic that when I was traveling it was the first time where i was meeting people that didn't didn't know anything about me
2: mm-hmm.
1: so i was explaining and trying to to share these things and i a lot of times i would uh, come home or mm-hmm. whatever i was staying and feel like oh my god i spoke way too much mm-hmm. uh, or i didn't listen i don't remember what they say mm-hmm. so i don't know if it was because also a time of my life that i did a lot of reflection while traveling you mm-hmm. have so much time mm-hmm. but i would say that was the first thing that came up. Like, when did I realize that this extroversion, it it's not always something
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, amazing? Mm-hmm. Because I think also when you are growing up and you are an extrovert and a lot of your friends or family are not, mm-hmm. um, sometimes there's a little bit of jealousy. Mm. So I guess I uh, maybe I was never. I don't know. I they I I, never... I feel like um, I was never. I never saw it as a bad thing or I never, I never, actually, if I'm being honest, like I always thought it was like a a charisma, Mm -hmm. something that I had and Mm -hmm. I standed out. Mm -hmm.
2: uh,
1: And also I probably, I was not so worried about, I mean, this is something that comes up when we are an adult, right? So worried about what other people think Mm -hmm. and your exposure and ego and all of that. So it's probably all connected. You are um, more... I don't know if it's freer, but it's like you're you're less attached to yeah yeah. So mm-hmm. I guess that that's that's also it. Um, and then courage. So funny enough, I think I told you this, but courage is my word for this year. Ah, Did really? I tell you this? No. You,
0: yeah, I think you've mentioned. But I, when I was in yeah. India at
1: mm-hmm. the beginning of the year, it was something that came up a lot. Mm. And I grew up believing that courage
0: mm-hmm.
1: means that you're not afraid. Yeah. And only recently, maybe the last five, five years or podcast. so, probably. <laughs> <laughs> comes, Brene Brown's podcasts, <laughs> books, Netflix document—I mean, everything. I don't know if I told you this, but when I was teaching storytelling, did I tell you? What all my exams? I I, I hated uh-huh. I, I had to do, do exams for the students, uh-huh. but all the exams were about <laughs> Brene Brown's uh, YouTube. <laughs> Talk, all of it, all the possibilities I had of talking about vulnerability and courage—they mm-hmm. were there. But yeah, I realized that being courageous means you are you are brave because you are afraid. Yeah, and that changed completely the game. Uh, and I felt you that
0: are brave because you're, you are you are afraid willing, and you
1: go. You are willing I, exactly to go because you are afraid. Mm-hmm. Um And and I think making peace, mm. realizing. And even honoring that I'm a person that is afraid,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's something very recent mm-hmm. and still scary, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's easier mm-hmm. all, uh, these days. And um, so I've all, I don't know, I think I'm, I'm too harsh on myself. So it was difficult for me to see myself as someone courageous. Mm-hmm. And when you are doing, when you're living your life and you are making decisions and changing
2: Mm-hmm.
1: being present with the moment yeah. and not thinking about what was before or what will be after
2: mm-hmm.
1: you are aligned with your values and you are deciding for yourself. I'm not saying it's easy. It is difficult and it takes me a lot of work, mm-hmm. but when I'm, it's like, there's no other way. Okay. So it's like, yeah. I'm not courageous. I'm me. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, you are yourself, but you are also courageous. Yeah. So accepting that, um, It was not easy, Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
1: but, but, but yeah, it's true. And I, I think it's not only my word for this year, Mm -hmm. but it's been a lot in my, and and sometimes you have to listen from other people, no? Mm -hmm. Other people have to, oh, Joanne, you are so brave. Mm -hmm. You are so courageous. Oh, you did that. And I remember the big change, like Mm -hmm. moving from living my corporate life and living this opportunity to work in a big company, have a career in the United States and all of that, and coming back or I'm going to say coming back to whatever, to travel. So let me
0: interrupt you there because I think that I know you and we know a lot about each other's histories. And I think this will be even richer if we talk about the concrete examples or the concrete moments of your life that we're referring to. Because actually I didn't know you back then Mm -hmm. when you were more into the corporate life and with that more... You were more business-oriented. And I re-listened, I have to say, or I re-watched your TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so surprised that you said that you used to want to be the CEO CEO of Coca-Cola and Google. Google. I know. Yeah, because I met you, you were already in this transformation. You know, so I'm curious to explore, even knowing you, I'm sure that perhaps in a different way, but I'm curious to explore you were excelling back then, you know, you were on the top grades of your class, like you were doing these speaking gigs, like you were doing a bunch of activities, consulting, you went to the US. So what was the driver there? And then what was the moment that something shifted? Mm-hmm. And, and and that and also in conversation with this courage.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now it's funny because nowadays mm-hmm. people that, that know me, mm-hmm. Like
1: you do, or even later on, they don't see it. Mm-hmm. They cannot even picture. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, I used to wear a suit and high heels. Um, but if you, not even my family, but if you're, you've been my friend since forever, you knew of a company, all of this. It's actually quite funny, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like if you had told me a couple of years ago that I'll be a yoga teacher, I wouldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of things that. That's life, but there's a lot of things that make sense in in the journey and how I I
0: got here, um, and I guess the the because and and that was interesting and that's why I put the word energy because even in before the whole yoga thing you were already talking about energy yeah mm-hmm. yeah I've always talked about energy and since
1: I'm I don't know a teenager or even younger but. I don't remember. My friends always used to joke there was times or it's like, oh, Joanna philosophies. Oh, Joanna now is mm. going to share. And I've always had this um, spiritual approach to things mm-hmm. and spiritual not meaning religion. You yeah. know? Spiritual meaning conscious and reflecting about things and, you know, wanting to bring a little bit more depth mm-hmm. and meaning to what we were doing and what mm-hmm. we were saying.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I. that's funny That's it was not yoga, but in a sense it was. Um, But uh, the, I, I guess the, the two main drives
2: mm-hmm.
1: that it doesn't matter if I wanted to be a CEO of Coke or if I want to be a CEO of my life and have my yoga project is that I am someone of action.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm driven and I want to live my life um, and I am open to change. Mm-hmm. And I guess... When, when you are young and when you are 18 or even younger or you are in your early 20s, you have no idea what you want to do or you want to be. And there are so many options.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you are actually very good at many things.
2: Yeah.
1: It's not like you... I'm terrible at drawing and anything related to arts, but I like, have always been a very good student. Mm-hmm. And even like things that are so difficult for me nowadays, like in finance and yeah. strategy and statistics, all mm-hmm. of these things, I used to give like extra classes of um, I don't even know how to say this, methods quantitativos, but like mm-hmm. things that are so methods. so uh-huh. different than my day to day life. But that drive of of action, of ambition. Mm-hmm with with the actual true meaning of the word mm-hmm. you know if we don't connect it with the the definition of success being money reputation reputation mm-hmm. where you live the house whatever mm-hmm. if you if it's like a sense of fulfillment mm-hmm. i've always had it and mm-hmm. that, that's it, it's transver- transversal mm-hmm. since um all my story
0: so ambition as a sense of fulfillment a sense of fulfillment a, and um, of mm-hmm. not waiting for things yeah. um
1: to to happen in a sense of, like, if I want to do something or if I want to discover if that makes sense for me, yeah. I'm going to go and mm-hmm. try it out. And mm-hmm. and in that sense, I'm quite courageous because, especially professionally, mm-hmm. I, I've always had this thing that I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. The worst that can happen, yeah. it doesn't work. I want to come back. Like, it's funny. I don't know if you know this. I got the job to US. Mm-hmm. And... It took me one year and a half to get the visa to move to mm-hmm. Chicago. So mm-hmm. during that year and a half, I Madrid. was in Madrid. Yep. I was traveling to Chicago because my team was there and I was traveling all over because it was global marketing. I didn't work for US, but I have a little bit of everything. And when the visa arrived, I didn't want to go. Yeah. I had actually the perfect life. I I lived in Spain, which is different from Portugal (laughs) and sexy, but still close. I was traveling, which was the main thing I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I was still in contact with the US reality. So when the visa came, I was like, I don't know if I want to go. And also I had experiences of winter in Chicago,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, um, staying there for periods of time. And it was like, this is not me. So a part of me was like, okay, I don't want to go. But then there's always this thing. Okay, you have an opportunity to go now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you have to lose? Yeah. Why don't you want to go? Like, mm-hmm. what is here? No, I mean, I've always wanted to go. There are some people that don't think about US mm-hmm. or there are some people that don't. I, I had it. Mm-hmm. I had it because of the movies and yeah. because of the series. I had it because as a good student, as someone wanted to excel. And that was the other thing mm-hmm. I wanted to say. So is the, the ambition and also this this will to grow, mm-hmm. to learn more about myself mm-hmm. uh, and this curiosity that I have. And that can be channeled to different things. Yeah. But, but if you see, it's always about me Yeah. If, if, professionally working in a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be more content wise. It can be more uh, spiritual wise, but I've always had that. That's mm-hmm. something that it, it's been very present. Mm-hmm. Uh, and,
0: and I think, and you were working in in nutrition at the time. Do you do you remember that being a conscious choice, the the aspect of the service, or it was random? Not at all. It was random, and I w-
1: it was still a pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. It was nutrition by, uh, department. Mm-hmm. I remember that when I heard it was nutrition, a part of me was like, oh, that's cool, because I've always been very much into sports, mm-hmm. and I was already like a healthy, conscious eater. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. I,
1: I, wasn't veget- I was not vegetarian or anything like that, but I had this conscious about food. Uh, so it was a part of like nutrition being sexy yeah, and not like pharma. yeah. Um, but that's actually... Um, that misconception <laughs> was destructive very easily mm-hmm. because it was still a pharma culture. Yeah. And that was a big shock for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What I had there that I, I really enjoyed was... The opportunity to work in a field that um, is connected a lot with doctors and pediatricians and nutritionists. And I had like half percent of my time was dedicated to programs where I would travel all over the world mm-hmm. with doctors to talk about nutrition and kids. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing. Yeah. And I always had this fascination for medicine. Mm. Not like seeing myself as a doctor because of uh, the, the very basic things of like... I don't like to see blood and all of yeah. these things, but the big service yeah. and, and, and that's, and I always, so I always met a lot of amazing people there and I liked it. And then the other part was always thinking about education mm-hmm. and things about kids because it was a supplement for kids. Yeah. So the topic itself was very cool. Like mm-hmm. in my team, there was other people talking about diabetes so not relatable with me and either it was about adult nutrition like supplements for sports which is also not related to me so mm-hmm. from the the products that we have coincidentally or not mm-hmm. there was a lot of a lot of things that were made the content of the job cool mm-hmm. and then i mean of course i, I mean i was 21 22 23 there was like amazing things happened three years yeah amazing things happened that it's everyone's dream. Like I was traveling first class. Yeah. I mean, I'm still a human being. <laughs> <laughs> I was traveling first class. I was going to these hotels, which I don't know if you know, I think so, but I wanted to do uh, hotel management. So it's like, I've never studied tourism. I've never been in, mm-hmm. but it's something that comes up in my life. So I was in all this, oh, like Hilton, Sheridan, all these big chains. And I was staying in all of these hotels. Um, I was meeting people from, all over the world. Mm-hmm. So there was all these things that were coming up that were complementing and were giving me world and opportunities to to grow and to learn that were much more than the job. Mm-hmm. And I think that was what made me stay three years, which yeah. I know for a lot of people is not a lot. But when you live intentionally, three years yeah. is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking with my mom, like three or four months in the job, mm-hmm. super stressed and super anxious. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh, Joanna! If it's like this, then you should think if it makes sense. If it, if it's like you should quit or not. So th- there was always it challenge. It's like
0: this in what way?
1: If it, if it makes you feel like this, ah. if you are so anxious already, and it's mm-hmm. like three months in, maybe you should think if because sometimes there was a lot of responsibility. Okay. Um. And I. I. I guess.
2: Uh, what even was
1: if the it, pressure. The pressure. Uh-huh. The pressure. Uh, the expectations. Because it's like. Because of my attitude mm-hmm. and the fact that it, this is ridiculous, but it is true that I'm tall, and uh, and it's like that you're tall. Yeah, it's funny, you know. I, I someone told me this once, and I, I never thought about it. It's like there's a presence mm-hmm. when I come in uh-huh. um, that people forget that I'm 21 or 22. Yeah, so uh, they. Never, unless I ask, they Mm -hmm. never assume I didn't know. It was the first time I was doing, Uh, and maybe I have difficulties also in asking for help. But I I was easily, and and I have a lot of initiative. So I was easily
0: that you're tall. You're tall, and you and I look more mature than yeah, yeah. Not to say that now you look old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, at know. Yeah, yes. It's the idea yes. of the maturity,
1: yes. that you don't look your age, exactly. you don't feel your I guess, age. Yes, uh-huh. I guess that's a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that happened a lot. And and because of this confidence that yeah. I also have, um, I mean, not even six months in, my boss uh, asked me to go to an event alone and yeah. I had to organize the entire event uh, for everyone, alone. So all these things that came up that I loved and I learned a lot,
0: but of course it was scary. And mm-hmm. and, and I don't know, it's funny. And, and and you say that it was scary and you also say that you're confident. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, but were you, was it you were anxious about the thing working out well, like the event working out well, or it was the the self-doubt? Because it doesn't, you don't seem to talk about it like the self doubt, it was more or, like the pressure. It was a pressure. Or, it, or it was the impr- the, the, what people thought if you were going to deliver with the expectation they had of I you. I think you always have uh-huh. that, uh-huh. The, the
1: second part. But I think, I, I'll be honest, the almost the entire journey there, mm-hmm. it was everything so surreal yeah. that I never felt... This thing of like, oh, it was scary or it's something that I, I can see from now, mm-hmm. like from outside, mm-hmm. over there... It was just something I was doing. Yeah, and uh, you know, I don't know. It was okay. I'm there. I'm I'm organizing. I'm doing. And so, I I I never felt scared at the moment. Mm -hmm. I felt anxious because I had the pressure. And you were conscious that you were anxious. Good question. I don't remember saying like Uh I don't. We didn't even have that Uh vocabulary, you know. Like I Uh I don't remember saying like I'm anxious or I'm. Uh, It's funny, I never thought about it. But yeah, I I didn't have that vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I had some like physical symptoms or Mm -hmm. or things that came up, like my belly was hurting or like uh, maybe I called someone. I remember once or twice calling a friend or my Mm -hmm. mom sharing about something. Um, But yeah, I I, I don't think... I guess sometimes when you don't also know the impact that you are having, Mm -hmm. it's easier... Um, I never felt that it was more than what I could handle
2: mm-hmm.
1: over there, you know, mm-hmm. and I never really understood until people uh, I remember being sit- sitting with with the doctors because- but that's also something I have that i um I thank my parents because I think it comes from <laughs> education, but I value everyone the same, yeah, so for me, if I'm talking to a housekeeper that's cleaning a meeting room or a doctor that mm-hmm. is a PhD, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to respect them, and I'm curious in both yeah. of their stories. Yeah. So only when I was sitting with these doctors in these round tables, and I, you know me, so I, and I'm talking and I'm asking questions, and they're like, oh, but you are 21, and you are here alone. Only, like, those were some moments where it became a little bit real. Uh-huh. But th- the rest, I think I was just yeah. living and flowing, you know. Yeah. Only when it became to be... Uh, painful mm-hmm. to be there only mm-hmm. when like my director was fired uh-huh. th- there's a new uh, leadership coming in only when it became too corporates yeah. and too real in my face mm-hmm. that was like okay uh, th- there people. was a lot of it that was I don't want to say fairy tale but it was like too good to be true you know Yeah. Um, and I think only actually when I started doing the TED talk and, that, and I had to reflect about all of this mm-hmm. um, did I realize that I probably had <laughs> a lot of uh, feelings and, and a lot of pressure and all these things. I think uh-huh. back then, it wasn't, op- I, don't, I don't know, it's funny. I think it was just, I was leaving. I was excited, yeah. I was young, maybe a little bit immature in some things. Um, mm-hmm. And it worked out pretty well. I think yeah. the fact that I was not putting that pressure and, and I, I, I remember being in meetings and asking questions that nowadays... I would have probably thought twice uh-huh. that it makes sense. It's this thing uh-huh. of becoming sometimes too grown up, you know, and mm-hmm. everything becoming too serious. Mm-hmm. I think I,
0: I was more, I don't know, what's the word? There's this term in the book that I love, uh, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott, that she talks about sophisticated innocence. Oh. <laughs> and I think it's, th- it's the the innocence of the childlike. Mm. But as you grow, making it a little bit more sophisticated, but not losing the innocence, you Mm -hmm. know, of that curiosity that is very raw.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that it's not very common. Mm. And especially in a U.S. setting where, I don't know, uh, I work with a lot of international people, but in U.S., in in the corporate office, Mm -hmm. it's very much U.S.-based. And I I think they are very much by the book and function-based. So I, I don't know, I think they... They valued it. And it, yeah. it kind of shaked a little bit things, uh-huh. you know. So,
0: yeah. Okay. And then it's fun also. And and the, the funny thing about the digital records is that you get to also have these glimpses of you or that moment of your life and how you were thinking, you know. And it's funny to... Rewatch some of the things that you were talking about knowing then what happened after that mm-hmm. you know yeah so what I'm curious and 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 you know there's some people that go like six months and they have the time of their lives and then they move on to the next thing but for you it was a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah. so so I'm curious about you know and I and, and I explore in this podcast th- this idea of waking up moments because I think That sometimes they happen, you know, from one day to the other and there are others that happen more gradually. So I'm curious for you, you know, you seem to be in that moment of your life, you felt that you weren't feeling good there anymore but it seemed like you were in this space of the not knowing for a while. And yeah, tell me, tell me, how would you begin talking about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in terms of... And the, also that I cannot imagine me now, you know, because the the expectations and the projections of people of where we live. So I'm very curious mm, about all of that. Mm-hmm, as well.
1: mm-hmm. I think the, the leaving the corporate world and quitting the job in US, it took me time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It took me more than six months to to really make that decision. Okay, because then you had your visa and then you, you went? And okay. then I went and then I wanted to stay at least for a year. Mm-hmm. But a couple months in, I was already thinking about it and I had all these options. Like, I'm already in US, okay, then let's probably do an MBA, like uh-huh. all of these things. But I always had the drive and I have always wanted since I'm, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13 to go to Africa. So the, the next step of um, going to Africa to volunteer, it was something I always wanted, and it was not. I, I didn't. It didn't immediately came up. It was just that the idea of coming back to Portugal uh, without anything was very scary. So without I was like, "Anything after?" So uh-huh. it's like I'm quitting, and then what? Uh-huh. So I think I was. I was thinking. I, I, for me, the quitting was. Clearer than what was coming next, which mm-hmm. I think most of the times yeah. it's like this. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I have all these possibilities. And then there's these things that happen. The nanny of my director is Portuguese. She, uh, she quits the job. She goes to Africa. She has a project. I make I was friends with her. I'm I'm following the project. So you know, it's like these things that happen a lot in my life where oh, uh-huh. I'm going to go there uh-huh. and it makes sense, but there was, there was a journey behind it. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I've always wanted to go to Africa. I was quitting. Uh, I came from a very like demanding competitive corporate, um, and a lot of pressure type of environment and Africa was the opposite.
2: Yeah.
1: And I used to say like, I was always using the car, using the car, and then I was going to go to a slum, um, but i felt it mm-hmm. it felt right and when i call and when i called her and i asked her the way she reacted if i needed any more confirmation or validation was like okay, come mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. i need you and like what is the w- best thing we can hear no mm-hmm. you're needed mm-hmm. so it's like okay i i, I wanted to be useful as well mm-hmm. i wanted to do something that was useful so it made sense and then the traveling is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> this is always something that people uh, talk about because I never planned on mm-hmm. traveling th- three years. Mm-hmm. And most people, when they decided to take a leave of absence or to travel, is like, there's a plan. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to go six months. I'm going to mm-hmm. go a year. I'm going to go one month. I- I've never planned on that. It mm-hmm. was like, okay, I came back from Africa.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I loved the experience there, but it was way too intense and mm-hmm. we could have an entire podcast about <laughs> Africa. But I, I-, I realized that... I was not supposed to stay there mm-hmm. longer. Mm-hmm. I've, I traveled a little bit for work, but when you travel for work, you're mm-hmm. going to hotels and mm-hmm. your time is very
0: limited. You I w- traveled for work because then you were It was st- global
1: marketing, so you I was st- still...
0: Ah, uh, before.
1: While I was working, mm-hmm. I traveled a lot with work. Uh-huh. I was, I mean, in a lot of countries in Asia, in, in South America, so it's like I was doing something I love, but it was still for work. Yeah. It's not the same thing. And I've made all these friends, so... Actually, I, I could go and travel, which is something that I like, but freely, like yeah. I put a backpack and I go. And I I am the type of person that is like that. Like I go, I say yes. I like the adventure is something that excites me and fuels me. So I decided, okay, I want to go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I I earned a lot of good money, and I didn't have the time, or it's not really me to say to spend it in things. Yeah, uh, the way I spend money even in today's like day to day life, it's like it used to be always traveling and food, and now mm-hmm. it's like traveling, food, and like books, yeah, courses and things <laughs> like that.
2: Um,
1: but I'm more a little bit more intentional in that sense. But it was always like this, so I saved a lot of money, so I had the f- freedom of really doing what I wanted, yeah. and I never really thought I'm. I want to say this, but it's like I was always very organized like I had this app where I had my expenses you know I was always more or less Mm
2: -hmm. managing that
1: conscious Mm -hmm. and I I stayed with a lot of friends like I I was not always staying in hostels like this all these things that happened while I was traveling but it, it, it became a thing that was with flow like I had a very good friend reaching out saying she wanted to join me for the beginning of the trip and I traveled with her. Then I met people while traveling and I, I traveled with them. Then my sister and their uh, mm-hmm. husband, then boyfriend came and visit me. So it was always something that was flowing. And then my grandmother was turning 80. Uh-huh. So I, I wanted to come back for her birthday. So that was the only date that I had. And I came for, for her birthday and this was, I guess... One year of traveling, a little bit more if you count with Africa, Mm -hmm. a year and a half. And there was like a part of me wanted to stop, uh, was tired of moving around, of changing, Uh of not having like a base. But when you stop and when your life is so different, your routine, um, the way you're thinking... I was like okay i'm still in that space in this uh-huh. space if i start investing on finding another job another area it will be difficult to it will it's different so i was like okay maybe there's something more that i still want to explore and while i was traveling i heard about australia uh-huh. i heard about this visa that you can
2: uh-huh.
1: you can apply until you are 30 and australia i mean i love beach and
2: um,
1: Australia has that, but I've always been very much into underdeveloped countries. You can
0: apply and how does it work, that visa? It's a
1: very cool visa. Uh It's super recent for Portuguese, a couple of years, but it's all over Europe and it's very common. Basically, from 18 to 30 years, Uh you can go for one year to to Australia. It's a work and holiday visa. You can work maximum six months per uh, job and you can travel. And Uh I guess what are the cool things. uh, Australia is super expensive. So you earn in Australian dollars and you have jobs that are already assigned for that. They are already used to for many years to have Mm -hmm. foreign people working, mostly hospitality, Mm -hmm. uh, hotels, restaurants, but other things as well. And there's a chance for you to travel. I met a lot of people when I was in Asia and South America that had done that. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a U.S. Mm -hmm. pocket money. They, They went to Australia They worked there, they saved, and then they went to travel with the money. So I heard a lot about Australia and then it, it was kind of like, okay, I'm already in this mode. Um, I have this opportunity. Maybe I should just go. And then I applied and I didn't got in because we have, I think it's 200 spots Mm -hmm. and I didn't got in and I was a little bit, yeah, I I was a little bit relieved and I, I felt like, okay, maybe it was not the timing. Um, but that thing stayed, you know. Mm. So I ended up staying here for a couple of months and I worked in a very cool project in tourism. And then when the application reopened in July, I applied again and I entered and Mm -hmm. I decided to go.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I mean, I can talk a lot about Australia, but basically the fun thing about Australia was that I went there. I decided to do three months in um, farm work because this year can be extended for two mm-hmm. if you work three months in a farm. Okay. Australia has many farms yeah. and no one is working there anymore. Mm-hmm. So they created this policy, mm-hmm. SMART, the, uh, the government, where these foreigners can work for three months there and they extend automatically the visa for two years. And I did it mm-hmm. because I was like, my life has changed so much because of visa. I'm just going to go there, <laughs> do the three months, and then I have two years. And I did it and got two years, and after in three months after I decided to come back. <laughs> <laughs> But uh,
0: three months after you were there, you so decided to come
1: back. I was I was six months there, so uh-huh. I, three months in the farm and three mm-hmm. months after. Okay, and I decided to come back. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so it ended up being three years, three three years and a half with a little bit time here in Portugal, uh, but it was never planned. It was never something... And honestly, I never... This maybe it's a little bit stupid, but I never even realized it was that much time. You know? Only after when I started talking about these things, I realized that Mm -hmm. it was three years and a half. Okay. But it was the best MBA of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of who I
0: am today comes from that. Okay. And, and And then where does yoga come in?
1: Yeah. So it was not always... Easy. I know, I didn't talk about optimistic. Yeah, I, but I was just thinking that like, I didn't in a second, <laughs> but I think it's in the background of everything. <laughs> it is. But I, and I think if you listen to me, you can get it just from my energy. But I and I'm, I don't, I used to use a lot the word optimistic. Mm-hmm. I now use more a positive, but... Um, it was not always everything perfect. Yeah. And being positive or, or optimistic doesn't mean it. Uh-huh. It doesn't mean that. I, I, I really like reality. Uh-huh. But my approach to life is very much like that. Mm-hmm. And I when I was traveling, and especially in Australia at the end, it got to a point where I was exhausted of exhausted of talking about myself, of telling my story, of like um, saying where I was from, Mm. where was I before, what was I going to do? Like Mm -hmm. the type of conversation that excited me at the beginning was not enough. I wanted to talk about depth, people's Mm -hmm. problems, people's lives, like what we normally talk in our day-to-day lives. And I missed having a home, not in the sense of a building, in the sense of a feeling, like more of a community type of thing. So I, I missed the fact that... Specific things like not having a kitchen where yeah. or, or I can save my food and cook. But also um, having like last-minute plans or... Um, I miss that feeling of uh, adding value to something, uh, of being part of something, yeah. uh, or not always moving around. And mm-hmm. while I was traveling, I was always fascinated by people that were long travelers, that mm-hmm. were more than five or six years. Mm-hmm. And I always felt that they were very lonely. Yeah. So a part of me, because I also have this background with family and I, I love people and I have lots of friends, good friends. I, I felt that I was afraid of that loneliness. And yeah. um, so it came probably with time, but with my process was like, I was feeling okay, this is not what, what I want to, where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I realized this in probably one of the most beautiful beaches in the world in Byron Bay. I was living in a cottage by the beach, drinking juices every day, going to yoga classes every day. Like I had probably the definition of a perfect life, and that's that's when you realize that no, it's not that, and it's not really just the outside. So I started doing a lot of reflections, mm-hmm. and I remember because the the Barren Bay area where I was, there was a lot of health and conscious Mm -hmm. places, I was walking by and I saw this yoga studio. I had uh, tried it before in Thailand Mm -hmm. and I think I was open to try yoga while traveling because I didn't put a lot of expectations. And I think here in Porto, it it didn't come up because of that. I thought maybe it was boring or tiring or not for me. Over there was just another experience. Mm -hmm. I know it's a little bit stupid, but when you are uh, abroad, it feels like, there's some excitement in everything being new, and you are also less judgmental. Yeah. And I, I went and I walked to the studio, and they had like a promotion for a month of doing yoga. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm just gonna do it. And I also needed something to do, you know, this energy. And this, <laughs> <laughs> I was still that same person. And I was like, okay, I, I want to do this, and it was amazing. Hmm. And above all, I stayed connected with like breath and meditation Mm -hmm. and calming my mind because Mm -hmm. this energy goes a lot into the mind as well. So Uh I I have a very active mind and that becomes quite anxious. I have a tendency to project a lot and to think about the future and expectations. Mm -hmm. So I was starting to feel that connection and having those tools that I had never had before. And when I decided to come back to Portugal, I had no idea what I was going to do. And that was probably one of the toughest, like, if you ask me about toughest moments in my life, I think one of the toughest moments was while I was in the farm work, Uh three months in the middle of nowhere. Um, I was like, there was nothing around me. Mm -hmm. And after a month of picking and packing fruits and vegetables, um, it's super cool. You're focused on physical work and not intellectual work but you want to improve you want to do things differently and no one cares and it's like you want to go out and there's nothing Mm -hmm. um like we we got we had internet so i devoured all types of series and documentaries (laughs) and all of that but i was a lot in my mind and i think it was a time where i stopped Mm. and i started reflecting and thinking about all of the years before and a lot of things came up you know and your mind can be here best friend and your worst enemy. So I was in a lot of mental patterns. And thank God I don't have that in me, like the depression gene or whatever you want to say it. But I was very, very sad. And mm-hmm. I think above all, I was feeling useful. I was I was feeling like, what the hell am I doing here? Like You were feeling not useful. Not u- sorry, uh-huh. yeah. I was feeling not useful. I Unuseful. was feeling uh-huh. yeah, useful. I was feeling like what what am I doing mm-hmm. here? Like mm-hmm. what a um, waste. Um mm-hmm. uh, and that got me really demotivated mm-hmm. and because I have this very active mind and I, had, I didn't have the tools back then I'm very positive but my mind can get it into dark places mm-hmm. as any of us but like mm-hmm. so I went into a dark place and I think coming up a dark place Negativity, um, guilt, like I started second guessing every decision that I made. I even second guessing, the guess, traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, Guilt about what? About um, being away, about being um, spoiled, Mm. uh, about uh, a lot of things from Africa came as well. Like all of these patterns that I have and and I didn't have help. It wasn't like I was speaking with someone. I didn't. It was very much on me. I journaled a little bit, but I was... When you're not... So it was not a depression, but it was a little bit close. So if if you're not aware of what is happening and you don't have any help from outside, it doesn't have to be a professional help, yeah. even friends or anything like that. It
0: becomes a repetitive um, narrative. Mm-hmm. So, do, do you think that anything productive came out of that confrontation with that darkness? Yeah,
1: before I answer mm-hmm. that, I just want to say this. I had... It was the only time in my life that happened. I had um, a table, mm-hmm. I don't know if table is the word, in, in, a, in a piece of paper behind my uh-huh. my wall where I counted the days uh-huh. before I leave, like prison. I almost felt like I was in prison. Maybe it was a prison in my mind, not yeah. really like space because I had free space. And mm-hmm. it's like, I am very athletic. I love sp- running. I never ran there. Mm-hmm. Um, or yoga I've done but I like, never did mm-hmm. anything like that it's like a part of me was blocked yeah. and I was counting the days like to, to leave mm-hmm. and I could always leave
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you know like mm-hmm. is these things that maybe I was like quid, uh, quitting is quitting, quitting uh-huh.
0: is it's for quitters it's not ac- and, exa- and I'm not a quitter exactly, <laughs> it's
1: not acceptable, acceptable. Uh-huh. Um, and can you repeat the question?
0: the question is that um I am. Um, I have a. Um, I have a question at the tip of my tongue. Uh, I'm gonna save it for a little bit later, and we see if we go there. Mm-hmm. Um, the question was: Do you think that something useful and productive came out of that confrontation with the darkness? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of because. Uh, let me introduce the other thing, and you're free to. But one of the things that. I think we have in common is our background. Mm -hmm. Actually, our parents know each other. (laughs)
1: Um, I think they studied together.
0: They studied together. And when I was going through your TED talk, I looked at some of the comments that were there. And I was not shocked because I've seen comments like that uh, pointing the finger because they make an assumption. Which is probably right in a way, in the sense that you come from, and we come from a privileged background, but making the assumption that whatever you went through was sponsored by someone and just pointing the finger at how spoiled you are. And it's a very... There is an aspect of like acknowledging your privilege, but then there's also this question of what do you do with it, Mm -hmm. because you staying in the guilt is not productive, so it is a theme, but it's not only in the traveling, it's also like in the professional choices that you do, how you face life, the freedom that you have, the trust that you have. And in your case, I think you've also, you know, had experiences that you were making a lot of money, that you were fully independent, and times that perhaps you were not making that much money at all because you were starting something new. Um, So I'm just, you know, curious, you know, you can talk about the darkness in that time, but just... In general, because you know I can imagine that it was probably a process to even understand, okay, what do I want my life to be about mm-hmm. because in a way you're 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 traveling this less traveled road in in the city, right yeah, yeah, and that's a great question <laughs> and I
1: think a couple of years ago, if I had saw that comment, I would have been very upset, mm-hmm. and nowadays. Um, it was kind of natural. It was a big process for me. And mm-hmm. I think above all was accepting and being thankful that I come from a privileged background. So mm-hmm. I refused it for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, refuse accepting that. I mm-hmm. actually made my life difficult a lot of times. I started traveling when I started working when I was 16. I didn't go out for maybe 2 years because I was working uh, every weekend because I w- I wanted to have my money mm-hmm. to do my things, to travel. I never wanted people to say that I was doing an interrail because my parents paid for it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But certain things and certain choices that I make nowadays, for example, you know, I'm starting a new project with yoga. And yoga, it's something that can work very well, but I also want to do it in a way where it's affordable. Uh-huh. And and I so um, asking for help or knowing that I can make certain decisions that are risky, uh-huh. but I have the comfort that if I need, uh-huh. my parents the can help net. me. That uh-huh. safety net um, makes me realize that I have to do more. So. Yeah. I, I think I changed from, and I also have people that I know that come from same backgrounds or even better, which I mean, it's not really better, but, but they, they are more privileged and they do nothing.
2: Yeah. Um.
1: So I, it was two things. It was one, accepting that. Uh-huh. And nowadays that I'm so much connected, I know that I came in this family for a reason. So that also gives me uh, power uh-huh. and it, but I, so I, I accept it. I'm thankful for it every single day, uh-huh. and I I know that I have to do more. The responsibility. I know that I mm-hmm. have to do more, and I, I I I I say this recently, which is like, I have these all the decisions that I'm making now in this project. I don't have savings uh-huh. nowadays, and I'm trying to do this this project, and I'm starting something new,
2: mm-hmm.
1: knowing that if everything goes wrong
2: mm-hmm.
1: I can close everything yeah. and if I need I, I have a, a, some help for the time that I need but I also know that if I didn't have this then I wouldn't be starting this project mm-hmm. this wouldn't be a thing and I'll be working in other ways and I'll be doing other things and I know I have that in me I know yeah. I have those skills that resilience like if I have to go and clean floors if I have to which I've done actually but if I have <laughs> to do all of these things like I will do it. So it's not like I have to prove anything to anyone exactly. anymore. Uh-huh. I think when I changed that shift, it was like, no, if I have to do it, I will do it. Like, And if people cannot uh, take certain risks in terms of professional and changes, then it's not even a discussion. Mm-hmm. It's They are supposed to come here and do other things, yeah. you know. And yoga gave me a lot this sense of purpose and, and this sense of, OK, we come with this support and this background for a certain reason. Other people come with other things. And I, I trust that journey to be my own. Mm-hmm. And that helped me a lot to process a lot of things with Africa. Uh, you know, when I came back from Africa, and this might be very spoiled, but it's true, I didn't want to have Christmas presents. I remember mm-hmm. crying with 25 or 24 years four years old when my parents gave me a, a Christmas present, not a birthday, Christmas present. I didn't want it because I'd seen completely different poverty. But I, I, I started to believe that... And it's not just karma, and I don't have to go into past lives, but it's like <laughs> we. I came here. I need to focus on myself.
2: Yeah, you know, mm-hmm.
1: and this thing of changing the world. Like I need to focus on myself, and when I change myself and I change my world, a lot of things change around me, and that's enough. And once I started realizing that, it became, it became easier. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've made peace with it, and yeah. I, I, I think I've. I realized that it's a process for me, Mm -hmm. even nowadays. And my mom is a very successful independent woman (laughs) that raised three daughters to be the same. Mm -hmm. So I also have a lot of good and sometimes difficult things about that type of education. So this thing of being independent and self-sufficient is something that is very high on my priority. So asking for help... It's difficult and it's strange, um, but it allows me to do other things and to have other type of impact. Uh-huh. And uh, traveling, I made peace with traveling and realizing that I worked for it. Yeah. I made choice for it. I also uh, didn't leave other things because I was there. Um, it was not always perfect. And it was my investment, mm-hmm. like those years mm-hmm. and th- that time, It's part of who I am and and this person that is available to help and to all of these things, it's Uh also because of that. So Uh I think it made sense. And coming back to dark times, just because I know you, you, you like to talk about, (laughs) not the dark times, (laughs) I mean, light comes from dark, but no, just because I think you like a lot the topic of, um, mental health, Mm. I think one of the biggest things of my time in. Uh in the farm was understanding more depression and understanding when people go to places that even suicide is is an option. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't want to say I thought about suicide, but it was almost there. You know, there was this feeling of really when you're not feeling useful and you, you're not connected. What's the point? And you are not feeling loved. There's a point there and I have everything
2: mm-hmm. in
1: theory or whatever. So... Before I maybe was a little bit judgmental about it and I didn't really re- understand. And if you see like mental health problems come most of the times where we privileged backgrounds, developed countries yeah. and all these things. So I was like, why? But it gave me much more compassion and understanding of it. Uh-huh. And it's funny because when I came back, there were a lot of suicides, a lot of situations around here uh-huh. about it and i was my approach was super different so it really helped me in that and it really gave me time when do you have 3 months with that type of time mm-hmm. because when you're traveling you're moving you're meeting other people there i was like mm-hmm. living you know in a very simple place very basic so it gave me time to
2: mm-hmm.
1: to contact some of my darkest places and i think it was the the window for for yoga and it it was the window realizing that my mind could go those places Mm. made me want to find tools to help that because I knew that was not something it it's there it will it could always come up Um, and and I think the 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 process that I've done with yoga so after Australia coming back to Portugal Mm -hmm. having no idea what I was going to do but knowing that whatever would do i had to practice yoga mm. that was the first thing i mm-hmm. did like even before i started doing courses and finding what was the next thing i found a, a mm-hmm. studio mm-hmm. and i started practicing there every day after six months they invite me to do a course to become a teacher and i thought i'm not gonna be a teacher And <laughs> no, don't do it for yourself you're curious you see the impact it has on you and because it had that
0: impact in me why not? Why not? Go, and the ha- timing? No, no, no. Why? Ah. Why didn't you think Ah, that? that's a thing as well. <laughs> because I have this
1: misconception that to be a yoga teacher, you have to be super fit, mm. super slim. That you are like an Instagrammer. Yeah. And uh, your connection with the body, with image.
0: Yeah. And so that that was the big one. And then and, the second. And it's so fascinating how that's <laughs> the image that we get when it's not the opposite At all. <laughs> and all, like all
1: my teachers like completely the opposite uh-huh. and then the other thing was i thought it was not enough mm-hmm. because i come from intellectual backgrounds yeah. i was always a very good student even the business background i thought that being a yoga teacher uh, it was gymnastics uh-huh. and it was Not stimulating, oh, little did I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my, I worked so much more, but yeah, um, that it it was not enough. So Mm -hmm. it took me, so I did the course, I started teaching as like internship, helping here, helping there, then the substitution. So it was something very flowing, never planned, never, no business plan or anything like that. But it took me more than a year to Mm -hmm. say out loud that I am a yoga teacher. And it took me, which I actually think it was cool and it was one of the biggest learnings of yoga was being patient mm. and uh, this thing of being someone of action uh-huh. um, also requires a lot of contemplation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Being someone that is very talkative and very extrovert also requires a lot of moments on silence and, and yoga brought a lot the balance. Yeah. I went through the extremes, uh-huh. so I moved to places where I was like, very much in silence, very much away, airplane mode, all of these things. And now I'm like trying to find that mm-hmm. balance. I think it makes sense. It, it's com- not makes sense. It, mm-hmm. It's common when you're going through changes, big changes. Mm-hmm. But um, it took me, so 19, 20, 21. Yeah, more or less, it always feels like it's more than what it is when you say it out loud. But like two years and a half, to decide to do it yeah. full time uh-huh. and, and see that... This was life I wanted to be. Yeah. And now nowadays, like I'm 32 years old. I don't have at all anything figured out. <laughs> and I'm open to changes. But I I am I've never felt so happy mm. and so fulfilled mm-hmm. with my job mm-hmm. as I feel today. Mm-hmm. And it's like we have this pressure and this expectation that you have to find a profession uh-huh. and you need to be able to use it with words like you need to you need there's a word that uh-huh. needs to be and nowadays it's so difficult <laughs> no? there's so many different things that you do um but it's not like i don't have to be a yoga teacher all my life but yoga is part of my life and that won't change and i i still have darker moments or uh-huh. i still have times where i'm sad and i'm dealing a lot with my emotions uh-huh. But I have these tools and this knowing... Mm-hmm. I was going to say knowledge, but it's not knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's like this knowing that everything is going mm-hmm. as it has to be. Mm-hmm. And I see these times as, challenges, as opportunities for growth. And it makes sense after. And I, I don't know if you can say this. It was like I feel that I will never go back to that place mm-hmm. when, that I was there. Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: even being sad, even going... There's this light in me. Mm -hmm. There's like this faith that Mm
2: -hmm.
1: nothing and no one is gonna destroy. Yeah. And probably, I mean, I'm 32, so it's like last 10 years or 11 years. If there's like one thing Mm -hmm. that I have to to point out and probably summarize, being courageous, being uh, active, energetic, uh, family, all of these things, is like there is this faith in life. Mm -hmm. And there's this, it's not really like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to live? Like, those were the worries that I had before. Who I want to be and Mm -hmm. how I want to live my life, Mm -hmm. my day-to-day life. And Mm -hmm. which which type of people I want to have around me, uh, how I want to spend my time. And all of these things that come up that may sound super cheesy, but it changed completely the way I see myself Mm -hmm. and I saying no Mm -hmm. when I really mean it, Mm -hmm. uh, and not doing things just to prove something, or because I want to be nice and I want to, I want people to like me. Yeah. Uh, and forgive myself and being okay with the fact that I'm not perfect, and that uh, being vulnerable and being authentic and making mistakes is part of it. Um, and and uh, loving myself, which was mm. something that I've never really um, did. So the, the confidence was something that was natural because of, I think the the, the intellectual side, the, the grades, the being the good student, the professional background. But then I was like, I mean, physically wise, I was super uh, um, insecure. Some people... Physically? Know, yes. Some people don't even know this about me. Like I had early anorexia when I was 18. Um, I, I, I I went through a lot of changes with my body. That mm-hmm. I was, really didn't know much how to deal with. Lots of difficulties with the guys and, yeah. and relationships, so um, I also realize that we are not just one thing. We want to label things and organize things and control things and black and white, and you know, um but it's not like that, and yeah. i and it's okay if I'm an extrovert that likes silence. It's okay that I dance a lot and sometimes I cannot even listen to music. Um it's okay that. Sometimes I have a lot of energy and I'm super available, and I just want to be surrounded by a lot of people. And other days I don't. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And, and being okay with change, enjoying change, uh-huh. and this is something funny. Then- I'll share this. When I when I came back from from the big travels, uh-huh. I decided to do a storytelling course uh-huh. because. I've always liked talking, I love stories, and I was tired of telling my story. (laughs) Funny enough, (laughs) what an irony. So like, okay, I'm going to do a storytelling course. And the first exercise that we did, and I ended up doing this exercise in my classes when I taught storytelling after, um, was write three things um, that you like about yourself. Let me see if I don't get this wrong. Three things that you like about the other people that you made so we were introducing let me explain this Uh we're a group of strangers Uh we introduce and talk about our stories Uh and then we had to write three things we liked about ourselves three things that we liked about the other person
0: this is the moment where you listening at home can pause the recording or can pause the podcast to write (laughs) down three things
1: (laughs) Like, you're becoming so serious, like,
2: what is she (laughs) going to say?
1: (laughs) And then it's three things that you would like. uh, I think it was three things you liked about yourself, three things that you liked about the other person, and three things, it's all traits, Uh all traits. Okay. And three things that you want to, uh, traits you don't achieve, no? Traits that you want to gain, uh, to to work on, I don't know. How, traits uh,
0: you would like to have. You'd yeah. like to have, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Traits you'd like to have. And then you wrote it and then you had to see if there was any pattern. Mm-hmm. And one pattern that came up quite often is like we are much more demanding about ourselves than yeah. we are with others. And then quite often we look in others what we would like to yeah. have. But this is not the point. The point was that the things three things that I liked in others and I wanted to have were a lot on being calmer, uh, being more grounded, Mm -hmm. um, things that in the past I thought were boring Mm.
2: um,
1: and didn't define me. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because nowadays I'm still active, Uh I'm still energetic, I'm still talkative, I'm still an extrovert, but I'm also someone grounded, Mm -hmm. calm, like... Nowadays it's normal, but I remember first time people that had met me and said, ah, oh, you are so calm, <laughs> so peaceful, like I love... And I was like, oh my God, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> this to say that you can you can change, like my essence is my essence, but uh-huh. I, you can change. And you know, I had other teacher uh, telling me this. I'm fire. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have different elements. Mm-hmm. I'm fire. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. This energy comes from that. But the fire can be used and be fooled as fighting Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or as light. Mm -hmm. And I guess that was the biggest uh, change. Like if I had to summarize the biggest change that I've done these many years, it's this fire and this energy that I have instead of being for fighting and proving myself and having to control and being perfectionist, it became as light Mm -hmm. as like, okay, I want to be of service. I need time for myself. Yeah. I want to be present, not worrying too much about, the future, accepting what comes, accepting that I'm I'm imperfect. And yeah, and and trusting that every journey and that every part of my life led me to who I am right now and being here today, Mm -hmm. meeting you, like all of these things that are connected. And and that connection is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it keeps surprising me every day mm-hmm. and i think the more we leave this monkey mind the more we the less we control the more we are true to who we are and we are willing to to change and to and to to be open i think fascinating things happen yeah and you change the way you see challenges and you 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 change the way you see suffering mm-hmm. the way you see fear the way you see pain, I I used to block a lot. Mm -hmm. I used to um, avoid Mm -hmm. dealing with those things and I thought it was weakness. Mm -hmm. And I think nowadays it's like the more I accept, the more I feel, and feeling for me a lot of times means like crying Mm -hmm. and like actually have a physical expression Mm -hmm. of it, Um, the happier, the...
0: The holer.
1: The holer. The
0: the freer, I feel. And, and, And what I think is fascinating about life is the journey of discovering the balance between going out there and being active and what you were talking about in the beginning of that fire of... Doing, doing the volunteer project, going to all of these places, speaking up about what you believe in, making a plan, and then completely being open to whatever the mystery presents you, any surprise that might appear. Um, it, it, it's such a, a paradox. It is. But usually the things that are truest are the things that are...
2: Yeah, and mm-hmm. we
1: are not taught that way. Mm-hmm. We cannot be because it's it's not controllable. Don't do
0: anything. Just sit passively while also being open.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we are not that, that way. So at times feels strange or mm-hmm. it feels like we are an outsider mm-hmm. or it feels like it's scary or you don't know the words. I'm a person that processes mm-hmm. by speaking. Mm-hmm. So when you, if you don't have the words or mm-hmm. the vocabulary, yeah. it can find a little bit frustrating or even suffocating. Um, and I, th- I think... These days it's easier because we have much more vocabulary, much more information. So even that, like the beginning when you were asking me those questions, I didn't even remember the word anxiety. I don't think I've ever heard about, heard about yeah. it, you know. So also being a yoga teacher in a in a setting uh-huh. that we have today, uh-huh. it's very empowering. Um, in the
0: setting, in in, in what sense?
1: where people are much more open to it uh-huh. like we i am teaching yoga and talking about spirituality in my hometown
2: uh-huh.
1: 5 minutes away from my parents house <laughs> like the the, the same uh, some of my students uh-huh. are those people uh-huh. that have some of the closed-minded uh-huh. uh, minds so it's uh-huh. like people are more open mm-hmm. people are also a little bit overwhelmed yeah and they don't really know or they don't have much to lose uh-huh. i guess um and I, I I'm still fascinated about the people that come and do yoga classes these mm. days
0: and how is that? can you talk a little bit about that uh, about the yoga yeah and also so not. Yes, the yoga, but about what you're saying of like that that the people are coming and you are doing this in your hometown and you are very aware of the bubble that you're in. And do you adapt the language? Do you go more into like what are you're transmitting energetically? How do you play with it? Yeah,
1: that's, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I have a tendency to, and this is a good thing about me, but sometimes it's like, oh, <laughs> I cannot adapt in the sense of... I mean, we all adapt in a way, but it's like if I'm not true to myself, yeah. it hurts. Yeah. And it comes quite quickly. So I don't adapt my language in the sense of I would have done exactly the same if it was in Porto, if it was uh-huh. in Chicago, or if it was in <laughs> Nairobi. Um,
0: but But you're also not talking about as if you're enlightened and you no, know but was you're say, very you in your I was gonna say, but I, it also I think it also comes
1: from um, my energy and uh-huh. the way I, I am. And I've I've have learned to love this about me and this paradox that you say in these controversies, but it's like I am very spiritual, but I'm also very practical. Yeah. Um so my my classes and my energy, my words are very much aligned with it. Yeah. So um I feel like my role there is to create opportunities for these people that are open mm-hmm. but either way they wouldn't go uh-huh. you know uh, and and they there is something about the fact that I am from there that gives some security uh-huh. and familiarity, familiarity yeah. you know um, but at the same time it's something different yeah so I I know I, I feel it because it's the type of people that come um, just so you understand. Uh-huh. I have a, a student now that I met her in a Uber, in a Uber. Okay, she was my Uber driver, <laughs> and now she's my student. So those things also uh-huh. happen. It's just um, people from Forge and friends uh-huh. of friends. Um, I also, but that that's energy, and I think, I think energy
0: it, doesn't know no exactly the social class, exactly, or the and, location.
1: And, and I think there's people. It, it, any one of us can be a yoga teacher, and there was there will always be people uh, coming. You are you attract each other, and there's always like some type of of connection. And I don't know. For example, having my mom as my student, and she she's probably the toughest person that I have to deal with in many ways, but also probably the first person I I go to. But the other day she was telling me. Um, she had a a difficult situation at work and and we were talking about, she's like, and you know what? I learned a a lot from you. I learned a lot from the way you you approach life and the type of things that you say. And, and during the class, she's not my mom. I mean, there's a connection, of course, but she's not my mom. Like Mm -hmm. even the way I approach her Mm -hmm. and I correct her and I adjust her, she's another person there. And that's, um, that I think that's rewarding and yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to go mm. uh, anywhere <laughs> mm. to do something yeah. big and help. Um, and I felt like yeah. I wanted to say something else about being a yoga teacher there, my project there.
0: But uh, I have a question. You talk about sports being always a pillar of your life and you being athletic and you also talk about this more intellectual side of yours that... The, the 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 active mind the the business backgrounds the doing things in the world and and this is more particular a question related to how yoga is taught um, because I feel so much in in the West it is often focused on the asana and even if you bring a, an introduction conclusion and even if you're thinking and feeling how it is so much more, people come more often than not to that for that one hour that they're going to do something with their bodies. So do you, maybe you're exploring now with different workshops or retreats, but how do you sit with this? And do you feel like you want to talk more and to touch people and to provide that space for Dialogue, you know, do you feel limited in the format that has been prescribed by default because of how things evolved? If I told you that I love your
1: questions, <laughs> <laughs> so probably I would say this is the thing that I adapt. Mm-hmm. If I could, mm-hmm. I would give meditation classes. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So I hear you. Uh, what I'm actively doing is I'm creating more opportunities to meditate uh-huh. and surprisingly enough I've had students that enroll just for meditation yeah. which didn't happen before and whenever I do like I do an hour a month of meditation I have people joining and I would love to have like a morning a day it takes time but yeah th- there's definitely some people that are open to it and I always have meditation in class as mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. I can change the sequence, it can be more power, less power, there's always meditation at the end, there's always at least five minutes where we are practicing meditation or breathing and concentration. But I've uh, come to realize that the type of lifestyle that we live, asanas are needed, Yeah, that a lot of The work that we need to do to get to meditation comes from unblocking things that come and manifest physically. Mm -hmm. Trauma, stress, anxiety, things, they manifest in your body physically. So asana is a way not just to help, but also to show.
2: Yeah,
1: You know, like I have students that because of asana, they notice, okay, I have a constantly pain on my shoulders. There's something here. Yeah. And then they go to osteopaths, they do all of these things, but there's always, if they are open to it as anything, but there's always, okay, there's something stressful here. What has happened in my life recently, you know? So that type of, that normally comes in meditation, um, also comes through asana more and more.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that also gives me a little bit of peace of mind. Yeah, And it also comes from my own process because I started yoga and I was drive to yoga because of meditation and because of the breath. But through asana, s- through the postures, I learned a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. A lot of the patterns that I had mm-hmm. of this thing of like, I want to do the posture very well. I'm forcing it. I'm, these were also mental patterns mm. and things that I did with the asana, they were also things that I did in my life and the choices that I made. And it helped me a lot. And I think this is something super important. I don't talk a lot about this, Maybe in a retreat I will. <laughs>
2: um
1: but as a woman,
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's a lot of connection with image and how you see your body. Yeah. And we also are not taught this at all. I had a little bit of it because I also love dancing. I don't know how we, we it didn't come up today, but I also love dancing. And I think dancing is probably um the 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 easiest connection or the more efficient for me with connecting a little bit the the more physical and uh-huh. intellectual sides. Uh-huh. Um, but the, the getting to know my body mm-hmm. and, yeah, getting to know my body
2: mm-hmm.
1: came with asana. Mm-hmm. and Getting to know your body? Getting to know my body. Mm-hmm. Literally,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I, I wasn't a person that didn't look my, at myself in the mirror. You were? I wasn't. Didn't? I wasn't a person that uh-huh. looked at myself in the mirror. Uh-huh. And... Uh, i'm not saying like you're looking at postures or looking at yourself but getting to know your body understanding what your bo- because our body is a manifest- manifestation of life a lot mm-hmm. of things that we mm-hmm. we are and do is because of our body you know mm-hmm. and we become sometimes in yoga and people like us like like to go deep and we go a lot into the mind the patterns but the body is a very powerful tool and yeah. it if you are paying attention it's quite fascinating what comes up mm-hmm. so I, I got to know my body. and So I,
0: more, but you're talking more the utilitarian aspect of what your body is able to do? Also my
1: feelings, uh-huh. also
0: exp- expressions uh-huh. of
1: feelings. And uh, I, I play, I practice um, ashtanga for, for two years. And ashtanga is, for those who don't know, a, a set sequence that you... Uh, you can only advance on the sequence mm-hmm. and even the word advancing is already, <laughs> you can see it, but like there's, uh, you can only advance in the sequence if you master another word, danger word, the, the, the posture. So you, you start growing on it. And through that, I realized that actually like cool things that came up of getting to know my body, I'm much more powerful than what I thought. Mm. Um, and the physical surpassing of obstacles or like, because you are doing a sequence that is always the same, you mm-hmm. can compare and you can see how you are improving. And that thing of improving with time, mm-hmm. with repetition, physically in the body, it's easier to see and grasp than
2: mm-hmm.
1: in other things in life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it became a reality mm-hmm. and it, okay, I can do it. And that was very cool. It came also to show me other patterns that I had. Mm-hmm. The perfectionist, mm-hmm. like I wanted to master the pose. And I pushed and I forced and I, get, I got so many injuries mm. during that practice mm-hmm. because of that. I didn't understand at times mm-hmm. that it was a meditation movement. Mm. I, I became a competitor with myself. Mm-hmm. So I had also that. And the controlling, because yeah. if you know what's, <laughs> what's coming after... Mm-hmm. You are controlling a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think with the body you can also explore a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And nowadays I'm in, not, sorry, let me just say this because I'll forget, but nowadays I'm not demonstrating as mm-hmm. much. I'm uh, guiding more with words, so I'm paying much more attention to the students and I'm adjusting much more. And, I mean, between us, touch is a very powerful thing, not just in adjustment, but also in energy. So I'm intentionally using it, but also I can see these patterns and I can adjust the class and what I say and how I guide it towards that. Mm -hmm. And especially this last year... So the process of the students and how they are... Yeah. (laughs) And especially this last year, I've realized that even if people come to yoga because they want to move and they want to stretch, all of them, or maybe 99% of them, it's not that they are looking for. Yeah. So they come because of that. Mm-hmm. but as Consciously. Soon, mm-hmm. Consciously. And because it's what is acceptable for them yeah. in their back, in their, you know, in their... But then it's not for that they come. Like, And it, it came very clear because I would think about the class, I'll, I'll prepare, and then I will start. Even before I started, I had half of the class laying down,
2: mm-hmm.
1: exhausted already before they started. <laughs> or I started a powerful class and then they are not breathing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, Um So I and even those people that come up like these because we have all these assumptions. These (laughs) girls are these not girls. These women. I have a lot of women from early Uh forties to like
2: uh,
1: late forties, all dressed up, normally elegant or thin, and they come with this energy of I'm going to the gym, Uh okay? And I'm going to the gym, and they have all these very and I love this powerful energy. Uh Don't get me wrong. Uh I love this active (laughs) and smiley, and as soon as they start, they are closing their eyes, they are breathing. And when I do a class that is more relaxing, they come at the end and like, I love today class. Can I come meditate tomorrow? And I'm like, okay. Okay. You know, don't assume that you have to do something very uh, challenging and doing all of these things because that's not what they have. And some of them go to the gym as well and do other sports. But it's like, there's another. So stay true to what you believe and Mm -hmm. pay attention because it's actually Mm -hmm. what they need as well.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I, I see this. More and more. Mm-hmm. Or I'm like doing a class and I'm going in a rhythm and I see that people are going slower.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And, and and I adapt and yeah. I And even my practice mm-hmm. is reflecting a lot of that. Like I'm doing a lot of slow yoga. Mm-hmm. This active person that runs mm-hmm. marathons and did <laughs> Like I'm doing a lot of slow yoga and mm-hmm. uh, I've introduced a restorative practice. Yeah. So that has also changed for me. Yeah. The, even the, this concept of asana and and the connection with the body and the patterns that are associated with with, with the body. Mm-hmm. Um, like I go to these retreats, you, you know about them, vipassana retreats uh-huh. of ten days in silence, where like, you cannot do anything else besides meditating.
2: Yeah,
1: you're not allowed to read, to write, to do any type of movement, to talk with people. And the idea is for you to be really focused on yourself. Mm-hmm and not let other people, what they are thinking about or worrying about influ- influence, and it's 10 days. And when you're sitting for a day, mm-hmm. <laughs> for eight hours or nine hours, even before you get to the mind, it's the body yeah. that really is in pain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of the um, approach there, and it's 10 days of no asana, so it's not a yoga asana thing, a lot of approach is to to deal with that sensation mm. in the body. Mm-hmm. So I think that also gave me some... Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about a lot about it because I think Vipassana is something that you learn while there. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go...
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: there's something that calls you to go there. Mm-hmm. But And it's so difficult that I wouldn't recommend to anyone, but if someone is asking mm-hmm. me for it, I would say, yes, go. Um, but I, it really helped me also to understand the impact of our lives in our bodies and mm-hmm. how it manifests. Mm-hmm. And if we start paying attention, it's not something frou-frou mm-hmm. and something, it's like, yeah. it's very it's very basic, very mm-hmm. primal. Like, mm-hmm. ah, when we were younger and we were nervous before a test, our yeah. belly hurt. We had to go to the toilet more. Yeah. Or when I'm anxious, my breath goes faster. Or when I'm nervous, I shake or, you know, all of these things. And because there you don't have distractions, you are much more in tune and you're paying attention to that. And I, th- I think that also uh, helped me deconstruct some of the assumptions that I had that asana or yoga in the West
0: uh-huh. is not mm-hmm.
1: worthy or mm. we are also adapting. There's a reason from our lifestyle and all these things, but also there's a lot of work that goes mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. And even when I when I go to India and I'm in contact with the essence of athe Yoga,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's ridiculous. We stay, we do like a practice of an hour with five postures and we stay a lot of rest in the same posture and all these things, but like what comes up from it, it's more or less the same, yeah. you know? And I've struggled a lot with it. I've had lots of conversations with my teachers about it, but I, I feel like today for who I am as a teacher, the students that I have, the background that I have, it makes sense. And I also want to wanna be a teacher of people that are in the day-to-day lives, yeah. that have mm-hmm. families, that have activities, that do sports, that move, that, you know, it's not like we are... And even our bodies, our yeah. lifestyle, what we eat, it's all connected, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, so the last question, it it is um, a question I always like to ask, you know, in this context of the moments of waking up and kind of this idea that sometimes in your life, it's almost as if you wouldn't say at that time that you were sleepwalking your way through life, but then something happens or something awakens in you that it changes your perspective. And it seems that... Life is about discovering all of these layers, inside the layers, inside the layers, you know? So the question is, what are your tools? And and now you actually talked a lot about meditation, so you're probably going to mention that. But how do you internally, and this can even be in mindset, how do you make sure you're not, or how do you remind yourself to check if you are living your most waking life? Mm Yeah, yeah.
1: I think some of the things I've already kind of mentioned, Mm -hmm. so pausing, resting, breathing and meditating are kind of like my things, Mm -hmm. but like I mentioned talking with people, Mm -hmm. like helping me process Mm -hmm. things really helps. Journaling Mm -hmm. as well. And when I say resting and and pausing, mm-hmm. I think it's like creating space. And this can go in many different ways. Maybe there's a place, maybe there's someone, maybe there's th- something I like to do. But for me, it's go to the sea mm. I, I I tend to to go to the water, to go to the to the beach when I need to have that time mm-hmm. to allow things to come up. And also to remove some of the weight. And yeah, I think those are like the biggest tools that I have. Getting to know yourself, having conversations with yourself, um, being open to what comes up. When I say forgiving yourself or understanding that you make mistakes. It, I think it creates a little bit clear communication. So it's, it's easier that you are, you are actually listening to your voice mm. and to your intuition, not to other people's projections or expectations. And when, you, when that path is clear, when the channel of like listening to yourself is clear, and for me it works a lot through meditation, but for other people it can be other ways. When that channel is clear, these changes and these waking up moments they come up naturally Mm -hmm. or they seem, it seems like they come up naturally. There's a lot of work behind it because there's like, okay, understanding what is happening, what am I feeling? Why do I want to do this? Mm -hmm. What makes sense for me next? But to be able to ask these questions and to create space to find those answers, I need to have time and energy to have this conversation mm-hmm. and to create this time, and and if we don't, if you're not conscious about it, and if we are not very meaningful in creating these moments, life passes very quickly without mm-hmm. any of this happening.
0: What's that quote that you always tell me about? That we have? ah yeah, uh,
1: that,
0: it's related to that, It, no? it is. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, it is. Because it's something super, for me it's so obvious, but it's subtle. I don't know if I'm explaining it very well, but it's like, uh, is there anything I can do to make myself enlightened? Mm-hmm. As little as you can do to make the sun rise in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then what are the use of the spiritual exercises that you prescribe me? To make sure you're not asleep when the sun begins to rise.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's subtle, meaning mm-hmm. like there's no pill, there's no book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is not really a thing that you, you there's not like a, a (laughs) label clear thing to do, but it it is really making sure you are aware you you have that time, you are conscious you are open, you are listening to yourself, you're not denying what's going on, what's happening why are you feeling like that, and asking those questions Um, and then help comes, you know, signs come Um, yeah
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i want to yeah take this moment to thank you for coming and thank you for coming now when i speak to you and when i relax and when we have these conversations i feel so much awe i feel so connected to you i feel so connected to myself and i feel so willing to be open that it's it's really so precious um, wow. <laughs> yeah. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Really. It's mutual. <laughs> and I enjoyed this much more than I expected. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's a, the, the podcast was another example <laughs> on we cannot control mm. and if we are true to ourselves and we allow, yeah, magical things happen. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>
0: Joana Leite Castro runs a yoga studio in Porto. You can check the links in the description of this episode to learn more about her work. Waking Youth is an independent podcast and newsletter that you can find more about at wakingyouth.substack.com. Our theme music is composed and produced by Carlos Siege, who also edits our episodes. And I'm Carlotta Gitsch. If you liked today's episode, I kindly ask you to share it with someone you think or feel would appreciate listening to it. And last but not least, thank you for being here with us. Ciao!